accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Continuing our run through Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called Trials and Tribble Dash Asians. It is the sixth episode of the fifth season. It aired on November 4th, 1996, the 30th anniversary or close to it of Star Trek, the original series. Teleplay goes to Ronald D. Moore and Renee Echevarria. Story credit goes to Iris Stephen Bear, Hans Beemler, Robert Hewitt Wolf, directed by Jonathan West. In this episode... When Temporal Investigations arrives on DS9, Cisco recounts how he and the crew of the Defiant traveled back in time to the 23rd century to prevent the assassination of Captain James T. Kirk during the original Enterprise's mission to Space Station K-7. Joined by Clay. Clay, how are you? Good. Um, can we just jump to the, or cut to the chase, and talk about how kind of funny it is that Dax mentions how hot she thinks Spock is, given who she's currently married to? Uh, that's, oh, that's a good point, actually. I didn't even realize that because she's married to yeah. Adam Nimoy, who's the son of, uh, Leonard Nimoy, who's also, uh, mm-hmm. and Adam is involved in Star Trek in a lot of ways. He's kind of a director. He made the, uh, Search for Spock documentary. I think it was called Search for Spock. But yeah, that's, um, a l- they didn't know each other at the time, I don't think. They weren't married. I think they got married pretty recently. So good, good attention to detail there, which is going to serve you well for the rest of the episode, yeah. I think. I pay attention, guys, not to the shit that you people care about. Did but I you, pay attention. Did you, what's did you get the reference to um, X Files? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> the the temporal the, the temporal the temporal agents who are interviewing Cisco. Their names are anagrams from Mulder and Scully. Oh, are they really? Yeah. No, I didn't catch that. Mm-hmm. I did. I did really like though. Um, <clears throat> not to keep this going a bit too long. Um, that they they pre- they presented time cops in a very accurate way. In that being a time cop is probably incredibly boring, <laughs> and it's basically just like a glorified accountant. A lot of questions that you know somewhere in some timeline you already have the answers for. So why are you even doing this? I think yeah, right. We're going to be talking about trials and tribulations, which is the DS9 homage to the original series. We're going to take a break, play an audio clip. Me and Claire are going to come back and break it down. With the Defiant under cloak, we left Cardassian space and managed to avoid being detected by the Klingons. We were halfway home, and I was just starting to breathe easy. Trust me, next time you see him, just sniff the air and go, is that lilac? Oh, find somebody else. I have my own ways of torturing Worf. But don't look at me. (laughs) I'm picking up a massive surge in chroniton radiation around... What happened? I don't know, but we've dropped out of warp. Sensors are coming back online. Benjamin, something's very wrong. According to the navigational computer, we're over 200 light years from our last position. We're decloaking. Someone's activated the transporter. Deactivated and got us back under cloak. I'm picking up another ship, dead ahead. Can you identify it? Not yet, but it's close. Very close. Chief, I need that view screen. I think I've got it. That's... The Enterprise. 
All right, so if you guys support the show on Patreon, you probably heard that yesterday we came out with the uh, the Patreon podcast where we went through and we, we rewatched the original Trouble with Tribbles episode as sort of a primer for this one. Uh, but now we're here to talk about the actual DS9 episode, which is a... Uh, this was the most expensive episode the show had ever done to that point for an hour-long episode, Clay. Not so surprising. Going off of that, what's your what's your hot take on this episode? Uh, my hot take is that I think it's great. Um, <clears throat> I've always this was actually for a very long time the only episode of Deep Space Nine I had ever watched because I was watching. Uh, <laughs> I kind of I kind of touched in on these shows it, for the things that I would that I knew that I would enjoy. Um, right. so I think I had been watching T, uh, TOS through a bunch of those. And then I popped into deep space nine to watch this episode. Um, and, and around Enterprise's the same, series yes, finale. Yeah. yeah. I, I watched the, it's the only episode of enterprise I've ever watched, um, so far. Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think it's, it's, I think it's remarkable how seamless it is. Um, the story is whatever. I mean, it's clearly a. You know, I asked you um, <clears throat> off air whether or not this was some anniversary, and you said, "Yeah, it was the 30th anniversary." So uh, that, I was like, "Yeah, that makes sense because this is definitely there's no other reason to do this other than to celebrate the the history of the series." Yeah, yeah. Um, the entire episode is just a celebration, as opposed to trying to be an episode of Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, like the story—it's—they're not even really doing anything. They're just kind of fucking around on the Enterprise and on K seven there. Um, yeah. But uh, it's—I think it's worth it because I think it's. It it dips into the nostalgia of the original series in a really inventive way, um, without feeling too uh, it like it, it feels like it makes sense. Um, it's reverential of the original, um, but it's not. I don't. I, I strangely enough, I don't think it's overly so. Uh, and the the technology they used was great. You know, they, I was thinking um, they did a couple years ago. I guess it was like, oh Jesus Christ, that's six years ago. Ugh, I think it was like 2013, 2014. I forget when it was. The it was the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, and they did this big, you know, multi Doctor crossover thing that involved them going back into some of the old episodes in a certain way. And I actually don't think it looked this good. And well, I don't know if that's because all of those old Doctor Who episodes were shot on like uh, you know a piece of uh, piece of tape they picked out of the garbage or something. Yeah, um, was that at the point film. where the new the new Doctor Who's was there a Doctor Who around that time that was super modern trying to insert itself into a very old show? Yeah, there was. Uh, they they had a bit where there was this one character who um, it turns out she was present throughout all the different times lives of the Doctor. And so they they would cut they cut to these different scenes and they kind of inserted her into them, and I I don't think it looked this good. And I again I, I don't I don't know if maybe that maybe the uh, um, technology gap between the '60s and the '90s is not as big as the technology gap between the '60s and the 2010s, which is clearly that, yeah. true. That's what um, I mean. because the lack of a high definition source for the original makes the the stand out less because TOS, yeah. they're using the remastered or not remastered but they're using the original film from TOS so it looks good it's it's not the super fuzzy sixties version it's basically what the remaster looks like mm-hmm. and it blends in nicely with the resolution and the sort of like the way that the um, show looks in nineties although I will say 
the director of this, this on Memory Alpha, there's a whole bunch of trivia for this episode. Uh, oh, would, the director was believe it. director was saying that they used 60s production era techniques when making it. So the lighting was done that way mm-hmm. to make everything match and the way that mm-hmm. the sets were done. Uh, and the film grain, they used a different film stock to shoot on this one that was more reminiscent of the early 60s film stock. So <clears throat> everything should look seamless in this one because they put in a tremendous amount of work into this episode, which is... Um, I think it pays out because it, it comes oh, yeah. out pretty fantastic. Yeah, I think they nailed it. Um, I mean, even <clears throat> as soon as they show up in the 60s, well, you know, quote unquote 60s, uh, I even I was looking like, wow, this this looks just like the way that they shot the original show. Like the lighting looks the same. Even the, the film grain looks the same. You know, it's obviously a little bit newer, but yep. I thought they matched the look perfectly. And uh, it's something that they actually when we eventually someday uh, get to Rogue One, um, they do a similar thing in that where I know that they they shot that a lot of that stuff very specifically the same way that they shot uh, the first Star Wars movie as far yeah. as lighting techniques and film techniques and stuff to make it match the era. And it, it works. I mean, it really it really pays off when you when you see it done like that. No, it's um. I mean, the biggest success <clears throat> of this one is just that it is. Seem- I, I think it has two success stories. It is seamless and it is packed to the gills with references, but it doesn't come become overbearing to me. I don't think like there's still there's still this bare bones of a structure going on. But I think that the way that they pack in all these references and everything that's going on mm-hmm. uh, is really clever because you never feel like they're just sort of uh, bombarding you with that stuff. It feels like it fits with the situation right. that yeah. they're in, and everything fits. Like we talked a little bit on the Patreon episode about. This is probably like the perfect TOS episode to do this with um, because it's A, lighthearted, and B, you can insert the crew into a lot of spaces around the TOS crew. Like they can fit into yep. the background of this episode very nicely as they do here. Yeah. And, I, you know, I also, uh, not just technical wise, but I also mentioned in that show that I, I, I think this is a good one to pick because it feels like a Deep Space Nine episode. Um, the setting is, is very similar. Uh, you get the... Uh, the bar that has all the different uh, races and stuff congregating in it and, you know, the stuff around the station on top of the Starfleet stuff. So it it very much feels uh, akin to a, a Deep Space Nine episode. Yeah, yeah, because you've got uh, Quark's bar, which is not run by Quark in this one, and they're on a space station and everything yeah. like that. But and they even do that a- mirror shot at the end of Quark with uh, with the triples all over him like they do yes. that shot of the bartender, <laughs> which was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we finished this in my wife fast. So how do they get rid of the tribbles? Does that carry on? I was like, no, this is, this is DS9 ignoring serialization. You'll never I, see the tribbles again. I will say my actual favorite part of this episode is when Worf details the uh, Klingon tribble genocide. <laughs> the, the mortal enemy <laughs> of the Klingon was Empire. Awesome. <laughs> Where they, they hunt down and destroy the tribble homeworld. That, that stuff was pretty good. Yeah, um, even Darwin at the end, he's like, in one hand, I'll have the head, uh, his statue will have the head of Kirk in one hand and the Tribble in the, in the other yes. one. is like the two mortal empire, enemies of the Empire he'll have slayed, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, as far as references and not feeling heavy-handed, I did, I hadn't watched this in a while, so I couldn't remember if they really got into that stuff, which I'm glad that they didn't. Um, but there is a line at the beginning, I I thought I thought in general towards the beginning, there were a couple lines that seemed like they were written in. For because they knew people were probably going to watch this episode who did not ever watch Deep Space Nine. Uh, yes, yeah, so specifically. That's actually, well, I'll I'll just say that before that Iris Stephen Bear loved the way this episode came out. He had one 
problem with it, which is that it, it makes him sad that this is the most popular DS9 episode because he makes it yeah. think that people only love it because of its reference to TOS and not because of DS9 standing on its own, which as you know, the, the show is his baby basically. And it's an understandable thing. He still thought it came out really well. Yeah. But you know, there's, there's a, there's a line at the beginning when they're talking about the, the orb and then the two guys are like an orb, what's that? And they're like, well, right. the orb is the symbol of the Bajoran blah, you know, prophets and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then right before they, uh, go onto the ship, go onto the enterprise, someone's like, Hey, you guys are wearing the wrong colors. And they're like, well, back in the sixties, this, the engineering was red and you know, what, you know, that they explain that stuff, which is like, yeah. I, you know, if you watch the show, you don't, you don't need to know that. Obviously that's argu- arguably, that's the one thing you don't need to, to, to uh, yes. explain, but just, an, just an homage and the, uh, Dax says the line about women wear less because she's wearing the skirt. And, but the uh, the subtle thing that they not maybe not subtle, but they Bashir gets a I'm a doctor, not a historian line. Yes. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yep. I thought there was going to be a lot more of that stuff. And I'm glad that there wasn't. I'm glad it was it was a lot more um, natural the way that they worked everything in. Yeah, it's. Um, I they, did also like the uh, um, Worf's uh, guarded reference to why Klingons look different. Yes, yeah. They don't they don't discuss with outsiders. It's a very private personal thing. I think my favorite um my favorite little reference is when O'Brien and Bashir and Odo and Worf are in the bar and they see Scotty come in and they're sort of talking to the Klingons at that scene before the fight scene. Mm-hmm. Um the character that they think is is Kirk. They keep saying Kirk is on the left and like yep. they can't really identify who it is. That's actually in the original series that was played by Shatner's stunt double. I was going to say that if I had to guess, that's why they did that. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's a, it's a neat little, little uh, reference. And then it, it goes into just the, the seamless sort of lineup where O'Brien and uh, Bashir are inserted into the lineup as they're all chewed out and stuff like that. It's just, it's, I, it's just a really cute episode. I couldn't believe how good that stuff looked. That scene in particular where they had to um, insert O'Brien and Bashir into a line of people and then have them work with walk and move with that i thought that came out fantastic yeah it, it looks it looks um surprisingly good it's just really they have another apparently the longest one that took to do was there's one where kirk is on the bridge in the foreground and dax is walking around yeah. in the background that doesn't that was surprise a, me because that, that was apparently the most difficult one and she actually doesn't have much of an impact she's really just kind of wandering around in the back yeah, I thought that one was did wasn't as successful as the other ones, and I, I I don't know if that's because the the environment that she was walking through was more complex or something. Because because usually the way that those things work and uh, is there's some sort of dividing seam that they try to hide as where they do like the the uh, uh, the effect stuff. Um, so when you have things crossing over, it becomes much more difficult to do that stuff. But if you can like cut it out, it's a lot easier. So like the scene. With uh, uh, where Cisco and Dax are fix- fiddling with the, the panel, and uh, Kirk and Spock come in. There's a fairly clear seam as to like the section that they are in versus the section that Kirk and Spock are in. Yeah. Um. So that stuff gets a little bit easier to clean up. But yeah, I can't. I think for for the time that they made this, it looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. It is really well done. It, it's it, it's going to be you know it's kind of a tough episode to talk about anything outside of sort of the fan service aspect because it is pretty much all fan service. But I think that it does a it does a really effective job of playing into 
all of that fan servicey stuff. We'll also keep it. The story is pretty light and entertaining. It's a very, I would say it's actually a pretty funny episode of Star Trek. It's it's yeah. probably the most successful jokey one that they've had. Just all the characters have really uh, good scenes with each other. O'Brien and Bashir talking about like the space, the time paradox of like yeah, meeting your I grandmother that. and that was stuff great. Yeah. like that. And then uh, them not knowing how to use the the turbo, uh, the, uh, the turbo lift and stuff like and, and the, the woman coming in and all the, all the women that they interact with are have these super sexed up version of the sixties TOS characters, where mm-hmm. they're they're very flirty with the uh, the males uh, who come into their their sort of realm. It's it's all really it's all really neat, and it's I think it's also one of the funnier things about it. Now that we've seen, you know, not to uh, Discovery starting today, actually, as this episode comes out. So, um, one of the things that's funny about how this and Discovery pair up with each other is that. There's a there's a real sense of you see the difference in the show and the the writers of the show, I think, just because of the age that's going on here. Like the writers on DS9 grew up with TOS. They right. were familiar with it. And the writers on Discovery are much younger and they obviously weren't around when TOS came in. And it'll probably I'd assume a lot of the production uh, people are as well. There's a huge difference. The Discovery reveal of the Enterprise at the end of season one was attempting to get what I think that the seeing the Enterprise in this episode at the very start gets across. But there's Mm -hmm. a huge difference between seeing the original Enterprise on the screen and the sort of redone Discovery Enterprise. Like, you, you understand it is supposed to be the same thing, but it's weird how much that aesthetic change and how much the difference of the design that they put into it really impacts anything that comes across. It feels much more substantial to see the original enterprise when they bump into it at the very start of this episode it feels like oh geez like there it is everything everything looks like tos and maybe you'd say that the biggest problem that discovery runs into is that this episode kind of confirms that the way tos looked is canon you know what i mean like the 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 cardboardiness of everything the cheapness which is an homage here but it it has like longer lasting impacts onto the aesthetics of discovery and everything but uh, I don't know how you'd how you'd bounce off of that, but did you? Yeah, I, I feel that the whole point, the reason the episode works is that it's a um, the people who made this clearly care about TOS, and it shines through. I think in pretty much every way possible. Well, I, I think the difference is it's like it's like when the Transformers movies started coming out, and you know people who were fans of Transformers, myself included, I'm not never like a gigantic Transformers fan but I, you know that's something from my childhood that i grew up with i love optimus prime i love the designs and all that kind of stuff so you know you get excited about it and then they're like look it's all your favorite characters optimus prime except he's covered in flames and looks like someone just smashed a clock open and gave it legs yep. and your favorite character bumblebee you know the vw bug well now he's a camaro and also looks like someone took uh, a microwave and just smashed it into a bunch of pieces and glued it together. It's he like is yellow it, though. Yeah, right. Yeah, he is yellow. It's like they're giving they're trying to work the nostalgia button, but they're not giving you the thing you're nostalgic for. It's yeah. kind of weird. Um and I think you know that that's sort of the the thing we've said about discovery multiple times is that it's they're giving you a lot of the surface stuff, but they're not supplying you with the reason you care about the surface stuff. Right. Um, Right. And I I think that it, I think that the way that this episode gets around is that it doesn't try to do a, 
like the tone of this episode is very non DS nine at this point. Right, you know, they, they right. wrote this as a TOS episode that the DS nine characters are sort of being placed into because of the the lightheartedness and the goofiness of it and the sort of um the tone. It's it's very it's silly. Like it doesn't feel like it amounts to much at the end of it, but it's all there as sort of a celebration of everything that had come before. It's not trying to refit the series into something that doesn't seem like it is. And I think that maybe it's a view, a weakness of the viewer that you can't get past that for discovery. But I think if discovery's writing was better, you wouldn't really care about that. But because the state of the discovery writing is the way that it is, this episode feels like it fits that universe better just because it's the, the mesh is closer. Like the, the way that the tone of the show came across is the way that TOS feels to me. And this is how, this is the most TOS version of DS nine that you could get. Yeah, it's like imagine if imagine if there was like a making of thing for this episode coming out ahead of it, and the executive producer or whoever was said, uh, you know, what we wanted to do was we wanted to revisit the, all of the things that we remembered from the from t, uh, the original series, but we really wanted to make it match what was happening now. So you're gonna see the things that you're familiar with, but in a slightly new way that it's updated. You're gonna watch that and go, I don't want to see that, right? You know, and I think this episode is really fascinating to me because I, it almost seems to me like the the writers for uh, uh, Discovery, this is like the only episode of Deep Space Nine they've ever watched, mm-hmm. weirdly, in that like it has this idea of going back into the original series timeline, but it also has the thing about the the guy who that who's the Klingon who's been made to look human. And it's like, they, <laughs> right, yeah. it's like they watched this episode and we're like, Oh, you know, I love the Klingon thing, but all of this stuff looks so dated. I wish it just looked more modern. It's like, it's like discovery is this weird perversion of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Just with the, uh, his name is Darwin, I think. Right. I think it's Darwin. I'm going to call him Darwin until I correct myself, but his, um, it, it's just, it's neat stuff. It, it's just really great to see all the, the actors return in a different way. Like, and they, they play them kind of the same way to have that guy come back from the TOS and go in it and then Kirk's uh, stunt double be a part of it and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or not be a part of it, but like he's he's there as a joke that they're making. Um, oh, also, um, we didn't talk about this when we covered it for the Patreon. And I don't remember if we mentioned it. I, we probably didn't the first time. Which one of the Klingons is the Klingon, one of the Klingons who shows up on Deep Space Nine, one of the old Klingons? Uh, sorry, sorry. So say that again. Which which one of so the Klingons? It, it, um, Dax talks about one of the Klingons being someone she knows, and I assumed oh, sure. that was one of the three guys. Yes, on, from in the episode of. of the three Klingons. Yeah, yes. The Do you know which episode. one? Which one it is in he, Tribbles? Troubles in trip or trouble? Yeah, the original TOS episode. He is the leader. He's like the um the guy who's there at the end, like talking to Kirk and stuff. He's got a goatee. Yes, that that guy. <laughs> that doesn't really narrow it down. Well, the, he's he's not the he's not the he he's the guy who has the henchman who starts the fight in the bar. But it's not that guy. It's the other guy. He's got darker hair, and he sort of speaks. He speaks rather regal, Kirk. And you'll see. Uh-huh, we'll do this. Uh-huh. It, that's Koloff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because uh, so I, I originally thought that all three of them were in this episode. So I was looking. I was looking out for uh, Michael and Sarah to see if I could pick up his voice. But he's, he's oh, I see. No, they're from Day of the Dove. This one and Errand of Mercy. So ah. th- this is that guy who's in that one. I forget which of the Klingons. I forget what storyline he has in Blood Oath. But he is. He's. He is that. We never see him. Um, 
We never see the older version of that actor in this episode. Right, right. So it's um, they shortchanged that at all. Because I think they just, they cut the end here where it's just Kirk talking to Darwin, uh, younger mm-hmm. Darwin, where he r- reveals everything that's going on, mm-hmm. if that's his mm-hmm. name. Um, yeah, I think it's, um, I don't know. There's It is Darwin. There we go. He's got that right there. He's got an arc, apparently, on, <laughs> on Memory Alpha. I think that it's a... I think that the the work that they did is really great. I think that the bar scene is fantastic. I think the fight that they <laughs> everyone has there while they're cutting in the original stuff is really great. Uh, they, the only they the only thing work. the only failing I think in this episode is I think their original series Klingons that they the new ones that they do for this look terrible. But aside oh, really? from that, I think it looks yeah. I th- there's something about them. It's like the the hair the hair seems really fake and the makeup doesn't seem dark enough or something. So it just looks like a guy in a bad wig. Yeah, yeah. Um, in there. But aside takes. from that, er, aside from that, they uh, uh, they nailed everything. Yeah, it's the I like. Um, it, it's small stuff too, like the way that uh, when Odo shows Worf the Tribble and the Tribble reacts badly because Worf's a Klingon to it. Mm-hmm. Like they, they mm-hmm. don't really hit you over the head with the fact as to why that's happening. You you have to know the original series that the Tribbles don't like the Klingons, but that that leads into the whole great thing about I like the fact that Odo really likes the Tribbles too apparently like he he was petting them at the start yes. and at the end he's very pleased that the Tribbles have taken over the station yeah. well i assume that was his his doing must have been he must have brought that yeah, back yeah i assume yep. he brought it back with him yeah and then i think that it's uh it ends with a pretty uh neat little i i, I like the scene it's actually the scene where cisco talks to kirk is not from trouble with Tribbles. it's from mirror mirror uh, that they mm-hmm. cut that from mm-hmm. but I, I think that works well it's uh simple somewhat obvious it, there's no real problems with it it's just cisco shakes hands with kirk and says it's been an honor to serve with you and it it's a i don't know for someone who i wasn't crazy i'm not crazy about tos the series obviously it was too early for me to really get into and really like absorb as a kid or someone growing up but i think that even if you don't like the series that much what they did here is the the like the care and the respect that they have for the original series shines through even if you're yeah. not a particularly a fan of the original series and it it almost makes you you almost come off with like a better i don't know it, watching this episode is funny to me because when you see the new cast members in this old episode it almost elevates the original series material for me mm. in some way like i i don't know why that is but it, it sort of shows it as it really highlights what the original series did well, I guess, maybe is the point of that. And like it, it, the all the things that it did that were important to the series continuing on are kind of there from TOS. And I think that this series picks up and this episode picks up on all of those things and plays off them really well. Yeah. And I think uh, it, it oddly, um, they do a really good job of, of presenting Kirk as having this sort of like mystique to him. Yeah. They, um, they, yeah, they, and it's not, I was thinking that, and it's not just done in a, uh, the script says that Kirk is great. Therefore we celebrate it, but it, it's a lot right. of like the Kirk, uh, Shatner just had this sort of swagger to the Kirk, yeah. the way that he played him. And it really comes across in the way that they splice this together because he seems, he walks just so differently from Cisco yeah. and Picard. Yeah. Know? I was thinking about that specifically because that scene the first scene you see with him where it's him and Spock walking through the hallway, that was like the perfect scene to pick because it's like, oh, shit, it's Captain Kirk. Like his his entrance into the scene, even though he's just walking in, is just so – he's got so much presence to him. 
Yeah. That it uh it really and uh Dax and, and Cisco both reacting like very you know, kind of timidly to it is just it 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 does a lot of heavy lifting for you. Yeah, even his dialogue in that is good because he's kind of giving the administrator shit about like how difficult they're right. making life for him. So it's it's the it's the swagger physicality and the swagger of him how he deals with people who are sort of um talking back to him, which is a very Kirkian thing. And they do live like he does come across as uh, larger than life and you'd understand why all the characters want to see him. And I, I just like the little button at the end about the the temporal investigators just kind of give up. They're like, I probably would have said hello yeah. to him too. <laughs> yeah. And you know, <laughs> I touch. think the thing, the most important thing is they take him seriously. Yeah. You know, like it would have been so easy to do this episode and make a bunch of jokes about, you know, Kirk with women and like, you know, play up more of the goofier aspects of, of a lot of, of wigs. Acting. Yeah. A lot of wigs and yeah. bad fighting and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, if they picked a different episode where he's a little bit more, uh, over the top with his style or something, you know, it could have been really easy to play into that stuff. I would argue that the biggest failing for me of the, the, the 2009 star Trek is I think they lean into that stuff too much. And they, they don't, they don't remember that Kirk is legitimately a great captain and like right. he is, he's worthy of all of the things people say about him. Um, and here they don't do that. They they present him in a very like this is Captain Kirk. He is a legend, yep. and they present him the way that the Starfleet officers would view him. And I think that goes a long way. What is funny about that? For as much as they know him, apparently no one has ever seen a picture of the of the guy. Everyone has a hard time identifying. <laughs> well, to be to be fair, I I, I don't know why Odo would have. Um, yes, Odo, Odo makes sense. Worf O'Brien make- o- O'Brien should have. Uh, you would think. Well, it, it ties. Remember the uh, uh, past tense was the episode where Cisco goes back in time and he assumes the mantle of that like revolutionary leader who then becomes oh, the right. picture yes. in the history yeah. books. So no one apparently remembers. No one well, notices that Gabriel Bell is Cisco either. Not a lot of photos. I've brought that up. There's no cameras in Star Trek. I don't know why. No, those little uh, also, data pads. Yeah, just text. Also, to be fair, I mean, I'm not in the military, but I I feel like even if I was in the military, if I went back in time and showed up. I don't know if I'd be like, oh, there's George Patton. Sure. You know, like lo- looking at him across the, the, the commissary or something, you know? That's, that's true. Maybe that maybe that's a good point. Maybe I'm looking at it too much as a, a Star Trek fan, um, thinking that everyone would know a Kirk is. But I guess Patton would be a good example. He wouldn't exactly know. Even a lot of former presidents, they'd be like, that's Woodrow Wilson. I'd say, oh, okay. Well, okay. Uh, more uh, example, more specific to, to my profession. If I went back to 1963 and walked into Marvel Comics' offices, I don't know if I could pick out Stan Lee or Jack Kirby. Specifically mm-hmm. because they were... Well, Kirby... I probably might be able to pick out Kirby because he's a pretty unique-looking guy, but Stan Lee, before he was in his, like, 50s, just looked like a normal dude. Yeah. So I don't know if I could, by just looking at him, 100% pick out Stan Lee out of a crowd. Yeah, they, um, yeah they, there you go. Yeah. He's, he's, it's it's probably true. It's the uh, uh, it's the same with the hell was I thinking? That was the the reason that uh, I won't even go down this. But like certain like the you could say that the uh, the popularity of certain sports leagues are like if you replaced or a, a metrics of success would be like if I walked into a bar and every guy in the bar was a member of one of the sports leagues. Like which one would I be? Which one would I immediately? 
or quickest realize what had happened to me. You know what I mean? Like if I, if I walked into a hockey, uh, bar filled with like hockey players i would not realize that mm-hmm. they were all nhl players i would just be like there's a lot of big guys in here you know yeah, what i mean okay but if yeah. i walked into a bar and it was all nba players they'd be like i recognize everybody in this bar kind of thing right and there's right. like a it's like a spectrum of that kind of uh, everybody's slouching because the ceiling is too low <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right everyone's spitting on the floor if it's baseball and it's just a lot of there's a lot of tobacco juice everywhere um i don't think there's too much else really to have the there were, uh, I just I'll float these. There's a couple of original ideas that they had to, for this before they settled on tribbles. One was to do Charlie X. Uh, I don't really know how that one would have worked. They wanted to do mm-hmm. the um, piece of the action where the original series they went to a planet that was influenced by a book that got left behind and they all turned into mobsters. Um, like fucking Zardos. <laughs> yeah. Well, the 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 DS9 episode would have been. Because of the events of TOS where they meet Spock and Kirk, the planet becomes Trekkies and it would have been like a commentary on the fandom of Star Trek where these guys go back oh, to that same planet. Uh, yeah. That one probably would mm. that one wouldn't have been as funny. I don't think it probably it probably would have upset maybe upset the audience more than what this one does. But this is the the loving uh, aspect that they went. to. Yeah, that does. I mean, that's fun, but that doesn't have the that doesn't have the uh, uh, the heart to it that this does. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just they just chose the they chose the right, um, they chose the right episode to go with the the temporal yeah. agents' names are uh, Luxley and Dulmer, which are anagrams for Mulder and Scully. Oh, um, they could have picked Balance of Terror, and then it could have just been all the DS Nine guys being very quiet and going, "This is really tense." <laughs> we we're we're. Uh, yeah, we're we're under a uh, sound zero, whatever they call it, when they're operating, si- running silence and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, City on the Edge was obviously a big choice, but there's no way to do that without sort of stomping all over what makes that good for a TOS episode. Yeah. I don't think you can insert the DS9 characters into it. Yeah, I would argue that's a bad choice. Yeah, uh, because you want much much like we talked about in Generations, the point of crossing these characters over is to cross over their things. And putting, like, Cisco in the 30s with Kirk would not be as fun as putting Cisco on the bridge of the Enterprise with Kirk. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll go out here. Do you have a favorite uh, reference or callback that they made out of this? Could just could be a scene, could be a little moment or anything. Um, um, if you have anything actually, that was stuck out, I actually really liked. Uh, well, that scene, the scene where um, where Kirk talks to uh, choose out. O'Brien in the line after the fight. I thought that was great. Um, I I really love the scene at the end with Cisco and Kirk. I think that's really really well done. Um, but as far as like call callbacks and jokes, I actually really liked the uh, when Dax does the um, math on the tribbles. Yep. And then Spock does the same math at the end. I thought that was fun. I like yep, that. That, that, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, I like that. I like there's a. In the turbo left, when Cisco tries to call the Defiant, he taps his yes, shirt yes. instead of opening his communicator, which is a nice always touch. Always works. Yeah, <laughs> it's always good. And I, I, I kind of like the, um, for whatever reason, when O'Brien and Bashir are trying to find Darwin at the start, and O'Brien is looking at the wires, uh, he doesn't even say anything funny, but he's just like, everything's cross-circuited, and I can't make heads or tails of it. I kind of like that uh, reference to just like the primitiveness it's the characters commenting on the primitiveness of the tos ship and everything right. like it, it just struck me as kind of like a, a neat uh way to get that across that o'brien can't really figure out how they were running the ship or anything so 
I don't want to go down this hole too far because we could talk for another hour, and I think we've talked for multiple hours about this stuff. Mm-hmm. But this episode, you know, you're talking about how the the showing of the Enterprise here elicits the feeling that they were trying to get in Discovery by showing the Enterprise. Why don't they? Why didn't they set Discovery in the goddamn future? Because like, imagine that scene in Discovery when the Enterprise shows up. If you're getting the future Enterprise, you're 100% more invested than, oh, shit, they're redoing the old Enterprise. Right. So if you know it was what I mean? Like, if it was the Enterprise F or something. Yeah, or something yeah. like that. You know, I, I, I think I've probably already said this somewhere along the line, but it's just, it's just, I don't understand why they said it in the past. No, no. You it's, handcuff it, yourself. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if any, uh, if there's been any follow-up on that theory about that it was all licensing-based, where it was like CBS needed their own Star Trek they could own because Paramount owned the original stuff and Bad Robot owns the Kelvin stuff. Sure, so CBS yeah. needs to basically erase the prime timeline stuff so they can have this, <laughs> make money off of it. I'm <laughs> kind of like, starting to believe that's true. That seems like it should be fodder for the storyline. Like, you use symbolism to explain that it's not actually, like, CBS executives who need to erase the <laughs> Kelvin t- Prime timeline. It's like you just set it into that thing. But I mean, no, it, it does feel that way, though, because it's like they're just taking the stuff that they know people already enjoy and putting a new paint of coat, a new paint of, new paint of coat, <laughs> new coat of paint on it. Yeah. Um, and trying to replace the old stuff with the new stuff because, like, they own the copyright on the new stuff. I don't know. It, it's... It's they would have saved so many narrative problems if they had just jumped in. I'm sorry. I, no, no. I'll save this for the first episode of season two of Discovery, where I just bitch about Discovery again, which is out tonight. So make sure everyone watches it. And we'll be out with a, uh, a follow up to Discovery soon after that. Uh, Discovery comes out on Thursdays this year, Clay, or this Thursdays, season, which, which shocks me. I, I didn't realize that. I guess it's coming out on Thursdays as opposed to Sundays, which it was in the first season. Um, I think Weird. that's it. I would I would agree with you. I really like the Kirk and Shatner final scene with each other i think it just yeah, works really cisco, well for cisco Cis- yeah sorry Shatner. yeah it's a cisco and uh kirk working together at the end they're just a very simple thing but i think it works really well it's seamless. do you um i was talking to sean last night and he he said this and i don't really know if i totally track it do you find that there's a weird uh, aversion to to involving shatner in modern trek stuff I think he was talking about the fact that they don't have Kirk in Discovery and Kirk never showed up in the Kelvin stuff. I, I mean, I just think I just assumed it was because in re- in the continuity, he's dead. And yeah. in real life, he's 85 or 87 or something. So it's going to kind of be hard to squeeze him into a Starfleet uniform. Yeah, I think he's just I think he's too old at this yeah, point. That's what I assumed. And he, he, he did. Gener- I, I would assume maybe after Generations was done, Shatner was kind of done with it. Um mm-hmm. I don't think so. I, I think everyone. I've never. I've never read anything about. You know, Shatner was difficult during TOS, but everything I've read about that afterwards is he's kind of mellowed from it. Yeah, um, and got I, a little bit older. I, the last thing that I heard was that they tried to get him involved with either Trek 09 or Into Darkness, but it just like didn't work. Sure. Like they couldn't figure out a way to to make it work that didn't feel uh, feel completely forced. Yeah, I, I think it's just easier. Spock. Spock is emblematic of the series in a way that Kirk mm-hmm. kind of isn't, you know, like, I, yeah, I think his, I think Kirk's shadow is just too big. Yeah. Yeah. It might be. And, and like the character design of Spock feels more Star trek than 
Kirk in a way. Like right, if you right. were to think of a stereotypical Star Trek character, I think Spock pops into people's heads before Kirk does. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's just kind of the, the nature of it. But I, I don't think so. I, I wouldn't, he's just too old at this point now. He's, he's, he's not, it's, it, it would be a little bit sad, I think, to see him like having to fit into a Starfleet uniform and try to act through all that stuff again. I don't, I don't think he's at a point in his life where he needs that. You know, I think the one thing they probably could do if they wanted to at this point, because this technology is getting disturbingly good is do some sort of like hologram message and computerize his face to make him look young and yeah. have him do something like that. But yes. I, you know, we, someone posted on the discord last night that there's a good chance that the next Trek movie is on the shelf anyway. So you know, mm-hmm. yeah, probably won't be happening. No, not going to be happening. All right, we're going to take a uh, break. We'll play an audio clip. We're going to come back and we're going to give our final thoughts and read some patron thoughts about trials and tribulations. Before we left, I realized there was one last thing I had to do. Something I'd been thinking about ever since I saw that ship on the view screen. Excuse me, Captain. Here's tomorrow's duty roster for your approval. Lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant? Benjamin Sisko, sir. I've been on temporary assignment here. Before I leave, I just want to say it's been an honor serving with you, sir. All right, Lieutenant, carry on. Thank you, sir. Okay, so if you guys support the show on patreon.com slash the Penske file, you guys leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We'll read them and react to them. Holly McLaughlin says, Trial and Tribulations. If you're going to do a purely fun, fun fan service episode, this is the way to do it. Pretty amazing that they pulled it off with the technology they had available at the time. I especially enjoy how they handled the change from 23rd to 24th century Klingon appearances. Stephen Cobb says, Trials and Tribulations, fun episode. Nice to compare the overall color scheme and brightness of TOS to DS9. The music was well done. I think it all hit the right, it hit all the right notes without being too over the top, give or take a line or two. Everyone felt in character. Uh, Christian Pouch says, Trials and Tribulations, if you can believe it, I think they actually lengthened the miniskirts here. Anyway, I have nothing unique to contribute here because it's an amazing episode, remarkable as much for the story they built as the technology and techniques they used to make it all happen. Five out of five. Do you know, is this the first episode they shot? I assume it must have been for the for season. The, I don't know that. I didn't read oh, okay. anything about that, so I don't I don't know. I, I just, I assumed it was only because I, I guessed it was going to take the longest to produce. And also, yeah. uh, Nana Visitor is still pregnant. Yes, that's true, isn't she? I, for some reason, I saw her and I was like, oh, they're having her play pregnant because they haven't resolved that storyline yet. Maybe that too. I don't know. Huh. Interesting. I don't know. Let me, let me look up here. Cause this tells me production number. This is the third episode of the fifth season. So they probably did do this before she gave birth because if I go back, nor the battle is, is two. Yes, that's right. And then Parmok is one, which means that this, the ship is zero. No, maybe not. No, I might be wrong. This looks like it was done in order, apparently. What? Apparently. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong, wow. but looking at Memory Alpha, that's what is uh, the implication to me. That's shocking. Uh, so huh. I don't know what the state of the pregnancy is. I don't know if she's playing pregnant in this. Someone someone will let us know in the comments. I can't look it up right now. It's uh, not, not good radio, as they say. Um uh, hmm. Side note, this episode will also become, rightly or wrongly, the rallying cry for everyone who complains about how Discovery treats old Star Trek. 
Eric C. Johnson says, Trials and Tribulations, this is my second I feel, DS... I feel personally attacked by that. <laughs> <laughs> this is my second DS9 episode after Little Green Men, and I loved it without even knowing who the characters were. Now, after seeing DS9 in full, I appreciate it even more. What I love about it most, believe it or not, is Dax. This might be her best episode. Bashir and O'Brien are the TNG era fans who don't recognize the colors are wrong or if a random lieutenant is actually Kirk. Cisco is the closet TOS fan who saw it in syndication, pretends he doesn't care, and then asks for Shatner's autograph. But Dax is the fan who sat in front of her TV and watched TOS as it aired. It's because of her wonder and nostalgia that we believe in this isn't just a 1960s TV show, but an actual past for DS9's universe. A time when everything worked a little bit creakier and felt a little bit more Wild West. Having someone like Dax who loves both TOS and DS9 makes us feel a little less like a crossover between two TV shows and more like an actual statement on embracing your present while honoring your past. That's a really good comment. Yeah, I like, <laughs> that is a that is a good comment. That's very insightful. Time to step it up, everybody else. Zam Nuclear Wessel says, "Trials and tribulations." I love Bashir trying to talk himself into this possible talk himself into his possibly grandmother's pants. Though, for a much more serious version of the paradox he describes, see the 2014 film Predestination, based on the Robert Heinlein story, short story "All You Zombies." I don't or know that. See the 1984 movie Back to the Future. Sure, that's <laughs> that too. Kyle Barrett says, Trials and Tribulations, a masterpiece. Although I wonder why Dax removed her spots before going aboard the Enterprise. Well, not created until TNG, we know that the Trill were around in the 23rd century, and Dax even mentions her previous host visited Earth. Maybe she just oh, didn't yeah. want to... we, we didn't even mention that Dax implies that she had sex with McCoy. He <laughs> <laughs> had hands like a surgeon. Dax implies that she's had a lot of sex in this episode, I think, which is a yeah. uh, which is fitting of the character. I think that they they play it well, and she her character actually works well in that um, TOS vibe. Actually, it feels like she comes from that era, as, as everyone's saying here. Yeah. Uh, maybe she didn't want to just draw attention, however, minor. But that's more a question than a complaint, just something I think about whenever I watch the episode. As I said before, it's a masterpiece. And my favorite part is when O'Brien mistakes Lieutenant Freeman for Kirk, which is an inside, inside joke, because the actor who played Freeman was Shatner's stunt double. Do, do, do. Matthew Ross, Trials and Tribulations, an enjoyable and total homage to TOS. The meshing of the original series with DS9 was pretty smooth. Getting past the time travel chronoton BS, I keep hearing the interview with Charlie Brill, where he said he was the only Klingon with a Brooklyn accent, and better than other surgically enhanced <laughs> Klingons. The idea was fun, and really has no importance to the series, but seeing the DS9 crew slick back their hair, wear original uniforms, and play with the 23rd century tech was fun. One thing's for sure, Dax is a real horn dog, which seems to be the real purpose of being joined, sex adventures. The fact that the O'Brien... The fact that... O'Brien can't make heads or tails of the Enterprise technology. The line that the Klingons are different because they won't say, because they won't say, and that Cisco hits the uniform. Sorry, the Klingons are different, and they won't say, and that Cisco hits his uniform patch as a communicator are all nice touches. How did uh, how they got there? Don't think about it. It's one of the peanuts of magic. A fun episode, perfect for the thirtieth anniversary of Trek. Will Yates, uh, God, sorry, I just want to touch again on how they. <sighs> Having that guy, the, the Klingon be the human in this feels so much more plausible than what they did in Discovery. Because it's just like, and this is just a matter of like a shave and a haircut, basically. Yes, yeah. Uh, but they in Discovery, it's like they draw such attention to how fucking brutal it is and ridiculous. <laughs> and it's just... <laughs> you mentioned that in the original Trouble with Troubles podcast is that you... Um, it was kind of a, a neat tie into DS9 when I was listening to it. You're like, well, wh- one of your favorite things about the Klingons in the original series is that they had this idea that you could play them as spies if you gave them a haircut and sent them into yeah, Starfleet. Yeah. And you were wondering if there was uh, any race in Star Trek where um, 
sort of that like spy uh What's the word? I can't think of it. It starts with an I. When you get involved, like, and... Uh, infiltrator? Infiltrator, espionage. You wonder if there's any characters in DS9 who would do that. And obviously, um, there are. They did that with the changelings. Um, so, uh, here's a question. Sure. When did we record that podcast? That was probably two or three years ago. Two or three years ago? So, did we just confirm that the writers on Discovery listened to our podcast? Was this Was that officially my idea? You deserve royalties at this point. You should really. I do. You should look I think up, so. You should look up. The I data deserve. All, I deserve all the royalties <laughs> and none of the blame. Trials and tribulations from Lily Yates. Get your galoshes. It's time to gush. The two time cops are great when they hear it was Kirk and the paradox Gross. drop in the cold open for Bashir later worked really well. Given the technology of the time, I think they did a great job integrating the two shows, but God help them if they try to remaster it. I love Bashir and O'Brien's moment in the turbo lift where one questions his existence and the other is just fucking done with it. I can see that Dax has been a horde nog for some time, and I wonder how many broken hearts in space VD that Symbiote has left in its wake. This is true to the style of the original series, uh, true to the style of the original series. The easy wrap-up, the villain giving up pretty much his entire plan the second he's caught, and the joke ending all scream TOS. It's easy to see why this is one of the fans' favorites. Is it? Is it too dark to just imply that the trill is just a sexually transmitted disease? No, I think you. I think you could read into that, right? I, um, you pass it on from one host to the other. You. Live with it. It's kind of like it follows. It's like a Star Trek version of it follows. Yeah. I suppose it's like it's it's like a venereal disease you have to choose to get. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you have to and take you a lot of tests to getting and line up. Yeah, line up to have this this horrible thing put on you. Um, that I mean, that's well, that's a story for another time. I think that they, you know, they've started uh, started to lean off the trill stuff a little bit. They, I think, the show realized that the trill don't really make a lot of sense, and they've stopped trying to explain them and. Mm-hmm. We we haven't really had a chance to do anything. I think this is a good episode to talk about it. Um, Terry Fel- Farrell and the character of Dex have found a nice place as the consigliere to Cisco in a lot of episodes. Yeah, yeah. And she's getting better at it. They've kind of abandoned her having to be the wizened one, but I think that they actually work really well together. And they just they they just pair nicely. There was a. Uh, the previous episode, the one with uh, Nor the Battle, where Jake is in the fight, they had a really great scene that we forgot to mention on the podcast where Dax is talking about children she had in a previous life and getting emotional mm-hmm. about it as they're going to try to rescue Jake. I thought that was really good. Like, they, they pair nicely with each other. And the consigliere role is the role that she was sort of designed to have. Yeah, definitely. She is sort of a... Um, you could see her as sort of an evolution of Troy, in a way. I was actually just thinking that, yeah. Yeah, it, it's where... TNG had the, the counselor role where, you know, whether or not you believe it, she was originally supposed to just be sort of like offering counsel as opposed to being a counselor to the uh, mm-hmm. to the ship. And I think Dax kind of fits that role here as well. So, And she doesn't have plot-busting powers that they conveniently forget that she has. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not really plot-busting. She'll always have the solution because she lived a lifetime where that thing happened and she remembers having to do it, I suppose. Yeah, but it's not It's not like she has. She can read people's minds right. and then they just never do anything with that. To tell, tell who the bad guy is immediately. Yeah. Uh, so what are you going to give this one on a scale of one to five? Thank you, patrons, uh, for your comments. There are some good ones there. People obviously like trouble or tri- uh, trial and tribulations. Yeah, you know, it's tough for me not to give it a five. I think it's a five through uh, uh, nostalgia glasses, Yeah, but I would still call it a five. I mean, if you wanted to get really down and dirty to it, do I think it's like a all-time episode as far as stories go? No. But, I mean, I think the uh, <clears throat> the, tra- the trappings are, are 
the trappings of it have more weight than they usually do. And I think, um, yeah, I think this is if I would definitely put this on a list of must see Deep Space Nine episodes. Yeah, I, I would include it on that list as well. And I think that it's. Um, are well, there people who don't like this episode? Are there people who are who are pissed off that they <laughs> that they that they wasted an episode where they could have gotten deeper into the politics of like the Cardassian and Klingon peace accord to do this Tribbles thing? Maybe. Uh, um, I don't know. That's I mean. Season five's opening has seemed a little bit choppy to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, th- this is one reason is because of this episode is because they kind of had to do this thing on the 30th anniversary. And this is when it came out. But it um, it's a little bit more disjointed. And I don't know if that would be a problem. I would have a hard time imagining this from the the trivia I read. The producers were terrified that they were not going to get something right here and have all the fans <laughs> sort of like lose their minds about whether or not they did it. I think yeah. everything is I think everything is virtually perfect in yeah. how they translated it. So I don't think they had any reason to fear. Um, I'm also going to give it a five. I think it's just, I think it's probably the greatest Trek crossover that they would ever do, mm-hmm. even including the movies and everything. Um, I think it just works. Still, it doesn't have any problems. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it, it, it's um, a five because it's, it. there's nothing wrong with this episode. I, I enjoyed watching this the whole way through. Uh, my wife enjoyed it. And she doesn't really care about this show, but she, when it was over, she said that was just a fun episode of Star Trek. And I was like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just fun. Yeah. I still can't believe that they've never done, like, <laughs> when they were pulling up on Star Trek Nemesis and realizing this is probably the last one of these we're going to do, mm-hmm. why didn't they just bring all the captains in? I know. <laughs> call up Cisco. Call up J- Jane. Is that the one Janeway's in for a hot second, or is that first she contact? Is, I can't uh, she is a nemesis, I think, at the start. It's either that yeah. or insurrection, but I think it's nemesis. What? Do do a big crossover? Yeah. What do you got to lose? Yep. At the at the very least, at the very least, it won't be a movie everybody hates. What's interesting is um, for timeline, and if in case you're losing track of when things are happening, this is the first mention of the Enterprise E in this episode, which won't come out in the movie until two weeks after this episode aired. So no, no shit. This oh, is fun. this is right before First Contact came out. If you want to like line up the series in your head, which is kind of an interesting thing that it uh, yeah. it feels much later than that. First Contact feels late if this is when it's happening, but it is what it is. Huh. I'm going to give it a five. Clay gives it a five. It's a fun episode of Star Trek. Doesn't really have any problems. Can't complain about it, guys. I would also I would also go like to go on the record and say that that 30th or 50th anniversary of Doctor Who is one of my favorite episodes. It's so cool. Okay, <laughs> so you're in general you're a fan of this kind of uh, this kind of thing. I am. You know, yeah. I I'm a I'm a big fan of like I love the mythology of a lot of this stuff. Like with Doctor Who, I I like the new show. I am not interested in watching the stuff from the original run because I just think it's too I I didn't watch it when I was growing up so it holds no nostalgic value to me yeah but I do really enjoy the history of it and I and I love how referential it can be and stuff like that even if I you know I don't really care to watch the old episodes um so when they do stuff like this when they can dip back into the past and uh do it in a way that doesn't feel uh, exploitative and cheap. I think it's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I love I love Back to the Future too as well. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it is. It's um, it's good to do every once in a while. It's just it gives everyone a chance to. It, it's almost like the the best version of a holodeck episode you could have because I sort of like the the realm that they're going into is something that I'm care about or I'm interested in. You know, it's not mm-hmm. them dressing up like a cowboy or anything or like a detective. It's like a um. 
a self-referential thing. I think it works really yeah. well. And if you've got like a legacy, a legacy built into it, that this you know, it's what people want to see. You know, right. you're you're always going to be thinking, oh my god, it would be so cool if Kirk and Picard got together. We were wrong about that one, but <laughs> this one is good. And I mean, look at uh, look at Spider Man into the Spider Verse. There's five Spider Man in that movie, and it's fucking amazing. Yep, Spider Ham. Um, oh my god! Can I? I would just like to say, I am constantly blowing the the world is constantly blowing the mind of my younger self with the stuff that they are putting into big budget movies if you had told me when i was 10 or 11 or 12 that there would be a big budget golden globe award winning movie featuring fucking spider ham <laughs> the spectacular <laughs> spider ham peter porker yep bitten by the, the spider bitten by a radioactive pig i would tell you to get the fuck out of here because that is completely insane <laughs> happy it exists though peter porker <laughs> yeah that was a um that was that was a rough night at the offices when they came up with that one i think but it did uh it worked out for them well it was i mean it, it was always meant to be a pair it was from yeah. a uh, a series of parody books that they did there was a, i think there was one called goose rider which was a ghost rider who was a goose <laughs> um i'm pretty a couple sure i ones, had but, them because i, I remember him yeah. pretty vividly it's, it's a pretty um P- peter porker it's a great that's a great joke man yeah. i give him i give him 100 percent props for that one <laughs> Uh, that's it, guys. If you enjoyed the content, you can go to Facebook, Twitter, support the show on all those, or uh, follow the show on all those. Discord is another place you can go to. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you want to support the show, a couple dollars a month, get your extra stuff. We'll be talking about Sunshine later on this month. The movie from 2007, maybe, something like that. Uh, the Danny the Boyle. best movie with the worst ending. Yep. And uh, we'll be covering that on Patreon. And otherwise, if you want to support the show, that's a good place to go. And you can rate the show on any of the uh, the iTunes stores and any of the other places that accept ratings. That would be great. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, do you have anything you want to say, Clay? Uh, yeah. The final issue of Poser just hit stands. Uh, this, I guess it will be a week ago when this comes out. Um, so if you want to read the whole story, you can do that now. And I'm just thinking of this right now. Maybe, I don't know, once I get my comps in, maybe we can do some sort of giveaway and I can, you know, send a, send all four of them off to somebody who went, you know, yeah. one of those things. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, we can probably do that on the Patreon. Uh, the Patreon. Uh, people who have sure. been supporting, that would be a good thing to do. Uh, I thought I had one other thing. This always happens. I have one thing at the end and I can't remember what to do. Well, in the meantime, I'll read the list of supporters of the show on the captain level of Patreon and see if I remember Stephen Cobb, Eric Johnson, Jay Stanley, David Kay, Nick Sergi, Nathan Elliott, Matthew Cutler, Will Yates, Matt Flores, Samuel Custer, Santos Gonzalez, Robert Cummins, Andrew Cherlog, Spinobi, Russ Graham, Decker Sebastiani, Bradley Killens, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Ben Douglas, Kyle Barrett, Joint Mango, Tark Latif. Guys, thank you very much for supporting the show. It is much appreciated. And I think that's it. I don't remember what I wanted to say. It's probably not that important. We'll be back with Discovery coverage uh, because it's kicking off tonight. Make sure you watch your episode. Um, early, can, re- early reviews are was, in. I saw one early review anyway. So oh no. we'll see uh, We'll see how it goes. It was, it was a very... The, the, the review I read was pleased with it. Uh, I, oh, don't know, I don't know how they reviewed the original run of stuff because it was the first time I'd ever seen this website. I don't even know if they actually got early screeners because I had never heard of this website before. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Things are positive. Can, uh, for the next anniversary of the podcast, I think we should go back into an old episode of the podcast <laughs> and <laughs> pick one. We'll pick one. Uh, we can insert you into one of the episodes that I did with Sean right. where you weren't available. <laughs> no, no. And then I, you could insert me into one of the episodes that I was not on. 
<laughs> that sounds like it would be a horrible amount of work, but I'd actually really like to see how it does it. If anyone out there wants to do that for me, please feel free to do it, and I will release it, and I will give you full credit. Just chop up, uh, <laughs> chop up our audio into a new podcast episode and see what we talk about. I think that's it. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Clay, thanks for coming on. Thanks for watching Trials and Tribulations. Oh, thanks for having me. And guys, we will be back in a few... What? What is after this? Don't make me... I'm going to click through it. I'm going to click through... Oh, uh, never mind. I'll, we'll figure out what episode is after this. Oh, it's... um, The hell... Oh, it's that... Uh, Let there, there be no sin. Something like that. It's the one with Ryza. So we're going to be talking about the Ryza episode. Guys, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time.